politics Some culture and craft beer Politics And that is why you're here Politics Bottoms up Bottoms up and welcome back uh, This is Blotto here again and I know it's been a couple of weeks, um, but uh, you know the world is in chaos and so is my life. I don't know if we'll catch up on everything that has happened in the last three weeks, but you know, I'll do my best to keep it topical. Uh, this week, I have my very first guest since going solo. And uh, maybe this is also a bit of a test about how it works with me and a guest, because I haven't really sought any out since going solo, but I've feel like it's something that I want and have to do. So joining me is a returning guest. I think he's been on the show maybe... Maybe three times, maybe just twice, but I think it's been at least three. I think three times also, semicolon, here from his stay up at the, the finer institution of higher learning, mm-hmm. MTU. He's actually in the studio. So, you know, get to make eye contact. So before we start, I do want to uh, recap something I ended with last week, or last episode, I should say. But uh, we get right to the beer. So what do we got? We have a Shorts Brew Big Bird Blood. This is a milkshake-inspired India Pale Ale with lactose, vanilla, banana, and coconut flavor. It's a 7.1%, so it's pretty hearty. For the ABV, I didn't see the IBUs. Looks like it's uh, got some floaties in there, right? Like a typical... Just some floating. Yeah. Uh, IPA. I don't know about you, Semi, but I really enjoy lactose-sweetened beers. Um, I just feel like um, there's a creaminess and a smoothness to them that I I like over, say, other IPAs. With limited experience, I can say I, I, I agree. This this will be a good good test. And yeah, I've had a few of them. So let's take a look here. It's gonna be pale in color. I got a nice uh, nice head on mine, and it's it's hazy, but not too hazy. And it, it is a nice color. It's good looking. So it definitely wanted to pour with head because you got some on yours too. So one of the things that jumped out at me and yeah we immediately both grabbed the bottle <laughs> because of all those flavors right uh-huh. there's a lot of flavors there right and it says on the i'll recap the label again vanilla banana and coconut it's it's kind of smoothie-ish uh-huh and that's uh-huh. you know and i've had other lactose beers that actually advertise themselves as smoothie and that's you, you know, that's what this is. I, I think I could I think I could say that I do taste vanilla, banana, and coconut, but only if I'm only looking for one of them at a time. Certainly not getting vanilla, banana, and coconut all at once. But I can interpret the flavor as vanilla, banana, or coconut. Well, it's got a very strong by, coconut. By looking for the coconut's there, the and coconut's and to there. me, the coconut all oftentimes is the weakest of the flavors in in the in, in beers that use coconut. It is certainly sweet, maybe. A tad too sweet, you know. I kind of feel like we're in that transition season where we're getting away from the heavier malty beers and going into the fruity stuff of summer. Not that all, that's all that important. This one might be a little bit ahead of the game. This is probably very refreshing mm-hmm. on a hot summer day. Yeah, you know. And this might be something that I would actually even consider putting on tap at the brewery mm-hmm. because people would love it. They would. They would absolutely love it. I don't know if short uh, uh, does kegs of it or not. Hopefully the sweetness does sort of mellow out as it goes along because then if it stays sweet, it gets like syrupy, sticky. Mm-hmm. Sticky in like the top of your mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that's the, the wrong kind of mouthfeel, as they say. But it is 7.1, so that's good. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm probably going to enjoy this beer. I guess it's the banana maybe be the weakest. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I see the banana, but only in like a... Uh, it's banana colored. In like a, a like a candy banana. You oh, know? like artificial banana. Like if they, Yeah, a little bit of artificial banana going on. Yeah, real, real banana is an artificial banana are, are two entirely different some, bananas. Some taffy banana. Right, right, right. Okay, so we're, besides the beer where I wanted to pick up, 
from last episode was I, I closed with this music trivia thing that I was going to do up at the brewery. And um, I mentioned to you, I, I'd let you know how it went. And it went all kind of as planned and it was a lot of fun, but I did just have an opportunity to quiz Semicolon here, who is considerably younger than myself. So I, I didn't expect him to have really, you know, quite the depth of knowledge. He got the easy ones, but as we got into more songs, you could recognize them, but had a hard time pinning down the name of the song or the band, right? Yeah, no, I I don't, it's it's really a question of, of how well you audiate, you know, like putting, like like actually connecting like, like riffs. Like I would imagine just about anybody has actually heard these riffs, but actually then connecting them to a like concrete song title. I would not think that I was good at that, and I was not. Yeah, and 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 what happened in our little contest was the people who knew me best won. <laughs> and I think even though I, I gave them no inside help, I think that knowing me, my musical taste, my musical library, which is pretty vast, it wasn't like. I only have 20 songs, and so they, they knew which ones they were. Knowing kind of what's in my wheelhouse of music that I enjoy, especially the classic rock stuff, uh, that may have helped my friends kind of dominate our contest. But uh, needless to say, it, it, it went off as I, as I expected it would, and it was a lot of fun. We have another event coming up at the brewery. This is not like shameless plug now time for you know, all those listeners that visit us at the brewery, right. where it's going to be Dylan all day. But I don't think we're going to do a music trivia for Dylan. But it'd be interesting if I did the same format. It would be harder, I think, depending well, on depending on the... Uh, I think doing one artist in general might always be harder because, like, you could pick absolute hits from the history of, of, of hard rock. But I don't know how many people... I don't know how many people can actually even name 10 Bob Dylan songs. They've heard 10. They've heard 10, but I don't know, like at least from maybe these, maybe these brewery visitors are more savvy on their, their Dylan than I would imagine. Well, the idea of these events, just like the idea with the Zeppelin event was to attract those aficionados. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we did that. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's a small community and we try and draw from, you know, 60 miles out, but that's the idea. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've been promoting the Dylan event, hoping that we get some people in there that really appreciate Could Dylan. find some friends. Pardon me? Yeah. Could find some friends. Find somebody that, you know, really connecting with you on the Dylan, a real, a real Dylan expert. Uh, what, what I'm finding I'm connecting with on the patio are people that are really into bourbon. <laughs> And I haven't done my show yet on bourbon, and I'm going to, but I really got into bourbon during the COVID lockdown, and many other people have too. And craft beer drinkers, a large segment of them, also enjoy bourbons, I have discovered. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting into these conversations with people. I don't even know how it comes up. about Oh, you like bourbon. Oh, you're into bourbon. And yes, I've already been invited over to a perfect stranger's house mm -hmm. to enjoy his bourbon collection. Uh, sometime in the near future, because we just talk bourbon at the brewery. And we have our Barrel Aged series, our first first batch coming out. Again, shameless plug. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that there's something about new hobbies that very quickly find a bunch of people and you do like engage with those conversations where like, I feel like if you or like a Phil found like another person that really liked Dylan, like you could talk about it. But you guys are you're set in your ways at a certain point, right? Yeah. You've, you've been there, done that. And this person's not really going to like impart some very exciting insight onto you right but with bourbon you you do get to get like more excited and into the conversation because you are having like new information imparted onto you or at least new perspectives sometimes no doubt i i, I kind of feel like i'm still a newbie on the bourbon's world right and i i don't want to say i mean i'm not at the same level of phil on bob dylan but i'm i'm up there i mean there there might be you know, the percent of people that know more about bourbon than me is pretty high. The percent of people that know more about Dylan than I is not as high. And you can also see the path to more Dylan expertise. And you've seen it for a while and you probably don't have any real desire to 
spend hours listening to weird deep cuts <laughs> that aren't very good. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, there's probably some desire there, but it's like you know, you, you might get around to it. Well, I've I've now decided to listen to all of his studio albums in this very strange order that I put together uh, on my trips back and forth. Oh, okay. And uh, so where I was once sort of curating all of his very best studio stuff, I've now decided, well, you know what, though? I really have to go back and listen to all those studio albums again and uh, and so get into those deep cuts. Where Phil is at at a higher level is on the bootleg stuff. And mm-hmm. so that's a part that I haven't jumped into. And you know what? There might be a Dylan snob out there that says, hey, look, if, if this guy's not into the bootleg... Then he doesn't know anything m- more about Dylan than what he knows about Donnie and Marie. You don't you don't have deep thoughts on the alternative rhythms of you know leopard skin pillbox hat side B alternate take. <laughs> then what are we even doing here? <laughs> uh, and there are those out there. Um, okay, on to the news of the day, uh, news of the week. Uh, a lot of things have happened in the last week, but the first is I guess in a, in the in the broadest sense of the word, is the chaos, although they don't want to admit it, the chaos that is the Republican Party right now. And specifically, what Liz Cheney is doing to the party, or at least to herself, versus the Republican leadership. And it's really fascinating to me how much she is exposing them and pushing them into a place I'm assuming they don't want to be. And for those that aren't really caught up on on what I'm talking about, is Liz Cheney has come out and basically said she's not a part of the big lie. Trump didn't win the election. It wasn't stolen from him. And that people that believe that are not being honest and they're subverting democracy. And her spokesperson has come out and said even something stronger than that. And the GOP leadership has just flipped out. They've just wigged out about this because she's not towing the Trump line. And they all know it's not true, but they can't say it. And it's just crazy the way that they are attacking her now for what she's saying. But the humorous part is they're doing it in a way where they're not saying she's wrong. <laughs> they're, they're, they're basically saying that they have lost confidence in her as a Republican leader but won't say why, because then that means that they would have to say, well, because the election was stolen and she's wrong. I find much less surprising, like her statements. I find her statements and I guess somewhat actions disavowing this big lie, much less surprising than I find their like strong response. I mean, this sort of like Republican leader slash significant person goes against Trump and says that, X thing is wrong or that they don't, you know, aren't, you know, with the party on this issue. I feel like that's been occurring at like super, like it's just one person, a couple people, like a press conference wherein people get really excited about Republicans not being the most like low quality individuals possible. (laughs) (laughs) That's like people like that. But typically it doesn't seem to invoke the response from Republican leadership that it does, that it did here. Well, I'd have to go back and look at the timeline because originally she said something like this like months ago and Kevin McCarthy had her back. And then she kind of went that down that road again more recently and it blew up. And it, it does kind of make you wonder like, and I, I think kind of what you're trying to say is they should have probably just let it go, right? Like why, it, you know, now they want to let things go all the time, all politicians too. But then the media puts the microphone in your face and they say, Liz Cheney doesn't believe in the big lie. What are you going to do about her, you know? And so then they have to react. And so I think things snowball mainly because, not because of the media, but because they don't know how to manage the media properly. You know, was this something that they ever had to really respond to? And now it's escalated to where she might lose her leadership position. And I could care less. I mean, I don't know, whatever. I don't give a shit about Liz Cheney. I, I sort of, from a, a broader perspective, I do kind of think that the Republican Party is kind of 
waiting for the next opportunity to arise that's sort of a more clear path. Like, Trump really can't be the future of the Republican Party anymore. I mean, it's possible, but I think most people are on board that, like, he's not going to run in 2024, or if he does, it's just not, long term, it's not a viable plan, but they don't really have, they can't really go back from where they've brought themselves. They can't sort of revert to this because so many of their voters and so many of, so much base. of their base right. is 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 there because of Trump or at least as like vigorous and excited as they are because of Trump they probably couldn't get the votes without that kind of energy still there and so really i think what they're looking for is you know a a, a new person to that the base rallies behind I don't know that they can actually create that person artificially. No, but, I think they. I, but I, they, I think I, they've resolved to the fact that they cannot, and they're and just that's have to why wait. They still are leaning on Trump because they just they 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 don't have that person uh, is going to replace him. And then what I was thinking about in relation to this and the reaction that you get from other Republican uh, politicians like Marco Rubio, for instance. Is he putting aside his presidential ambitions? Like, what is what is the GOP presidential primary look like if Trump enters the field in 2024? Is everyone going to bow out? Will there not be a primary? How how do they how do they go up against Trump? And I'm I'm shaking my own head here because okay, they can go up against Trump, talk about what a horrible person he is, how he's destroyed the party. How he lost the House, lost the Senate, lost the presidency, one termer, caused an insurrection. And they could do that in the primary. But then if he wins, they're going to say he's awesome because so, they did that already. So I guess it's not surprising how it's going to go. But it and then since they don't hold principle, it's not surprising anymore. I mean, like then they'll just do it unless they know something that I don't know which I'm sure they know many things that I don't know, but unless they're, they're, they are seeing something or have some sort of prediction for the future that I cannot, I can't imagine that pretty much any person in Republican leadership right now can wake up in the morning and actually think to themselves that they have a reasonable chance at successfully running for president in 2024. Like somebody else who just gets swept up in something so and gets the base behind them like 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 Trump did. If that even happens, which I think it'll happen eventually, but I don't know by twenty twenty four, probably. Well, but I feel like it, until it, does Donald Trump need to die <laughs> until yes before, bef, but like before they find somebody else, I, they I, need somebody else, right? I like don't. How know. do they continue? I mean, you could say that twenty sixteen, you didn't really have much of a primary because it was a foregone conclusion that Hillary was going to get the nomination, right? You had like four people uh, that, that started with, with Hillary and two of them dropped out very quickly and Bernie should have dropped out earlier. But I suppose there is some recent history that, that kind of points to the fact that you don't need to have a 10-person field and that a lot of it can be just for show. Because other than Bernie, who did make a run at it, the rest of it was just for show, it was just for some level of getting their names in the paper. Uh, there are other political aspirations. Um, you know, uh, Marco Malley was, was never going to be president. John Hickenlooper, I think, might have been the other one. He was never going to be president. So maybe there's other reasons that they that, that they might run. And But it was different because in the Democratic Party, when they're running against one another, they're really not, Bernie's an exception, they're really not trashing their opponent the way the Republicans do, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, the, and the Republicans trash their opponents for good cause because they're awful people. Right. It's pretty easy to trash them. You so, so you have that moment of honesty and you say, this guy's a horrible person. <laughs> and, and for the Democrats, when they say, they can't really say Hillary's a horrible person because she really isn't a horrible person. I mean, you may not like everything she's done in her political career, but I don't think she's a horrible person, right? Joe Biden's not a horrible person. Well, at least you can't say that if you're another Democrat, because if they are, then you are too. Um, 
Well, but the Republicans do. Like, remember what the Republicans said about well, Donald Trump? No, because remember the Republicans what Graham said about Donald Trump. The Republicans got all sorts of other things going on that make them horrible people also, <laughs> like beyond policy that they get to go after them, them for. So I, I, I can't imagine that they could really say he's a horrible person for wanting to, you know, for equal policy positions that they have. Yeah. But, the, you know, we say 2024, but it's really 2022, not just because of the, the congressional races that run in 2022, but- People will start throwing their hat in the ring for presidency in 2024. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, especially because Trump has shown uh, or indicated, you know, that he may or may not. He he, you know, and and I don't I don't expect that he's actually going to announce it until as late as possible. But he's going to want to soak it for as much as he can. And so that's going to leave all these others just hanging on to find out, okay, you know, do I run or, or, or don't I run? But if a Marco Rubio runs, he's going to lose. Yeah, no, right. right? Like right. He, he, he will lose to the Democratic op- uh, opponent, I, I would think. It, just because it, they wouldn't have the Trump backing base and then it, the votes just wouldn't be there. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them would. From like Mike some Pence sort of... is thinking about running. <laughs> But don't they like kind of hate Mike Pence? <laughs> in, fact, in fact, Trump just bashed him the other day. <laughs> like, th- there's, there's just no way. I mean, I suppose, I suppose, I would imagine that if you are, if you're an individual and you actually think you're going to win the primary, it probably is worth it to run regardless because then you get to win the primary and then have a full on presidential elect. Like, that's probably a successful campaign for your own personal brand as a politician. Right, uh, like for even if you lose, inevitably. Uh, maybe I don't know. It's that's tough. Is Trump the only person that you think could beat Biden right now? I don't know if by twenty twenty four that'll be true. There's a lot of time right now. I I would think so. And so even if Trump couldn't beat Biden, he would have the the best showing in that horse race. Ted Cruz would just get killed, right? Because that Trump base. As big and as active as they are, you still need more. That's what Trump, that's what happened in 2020. Right. Hopefully the energy that the Democrats had in 2020 continues from a voting standpoint. Because it took, it it took a huge turnout for for them to win, right? I'm, I'm, but again, you have to be skeptical, right? Like I think a lot of that turnout was based around like understanding that Trump needed to go and... Right. So if that energy if, isn't if that there, energy's gone, like you talk to a lot of people that voted for Biden and they will not say very positive things about Biden. Oh, I disagree with that. I, I think I, we talk to different people, but I I mean you talk to the socialist communist crowd, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> now see that that crowd will mostly vote for Biden again if they think that a conservative will win, although some of them won't, but the uh because they're at least politically aware. But I think that there's a lot of people that just would not do the calculation of, oh, if I don't vote for him again, he's going to lose to another scumbag and then we're going to have to do this again. Right. You know, they'll just, you know, okay, we got rid of Trump and now politics doesn't matter to me again. I would have to, and this would be another show, so we don't want to go off on it too much, but uh, and now I'm thinking maybe that's what the show should have been. <laughs> but I probably would give Biden an A minus B plus in his first. I think there's been a few stumbles. The refugee thing I thought was hor- handled really horribly. But I think uh, there might have been something else too that doesn't come to mind where where he started one way and then had to go the other way. But I I, I think overall he is doing what he can to to meet the needs of the of the left or the far left that elected him, which I don't know if he sees that any longer. I guess the big question is, does he see I, that I think as the far left? I think he's at best, I think that he's at, at best doing the best, his best to meet the needs of like the Democrat liberals. I don't see him doing anything that would appeal that strongly to what I would consider to be like leftists. Well, in his mind, though. In his mind, yes. In his mind, he's I think appealing. He's, honestly, I think he's doing better than I expe- I personally expected he was going to. Yeah, I think yeah. he's doing. I think he's doing quite well. But again, and I, I, it's so funny. I just think it really, really illustrates 
the the difference between somebody like you looking at these issues and being in and giving him an A minus B plus, and somebody like a like most of the people that I know that are I mean they're not apolitical because that doesn't exist, but they mm-hmm. more or less identify as apolitical, and the only thing that they know that Biden did was get rid of their menthol cigarettes. <laughs> Please stop bringing that. I'm up. sorry, but that's the point. Like 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 to say, yeah, Biden can do these things and they can be good, but if they but it just it it does not it does not get to people. It does not it does not it's it's not it's not information that they receive and then calculate into say, oh, but Biden is good. cigarettes of their daily lives. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you know, we talked about this offline. I, I don't know why he did it. I, I guess to me it was a bit of a head scratcher. It came out of nowhere. I mean, it is small, but my my point is that's the only thing that they know that Biden's done, as far as they're concerned. That was his first act of policy. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I mean, I can I can sit there you, you and explain what, to him things that they, they've done. If he, but it if won't he matter. banned cigarette smoking, it wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't agree with it, but it it would not bother me all that much. I think it's just I don't think it's good policy. I think that, you know, in general, drug prohibitions aren't good ideas. But the, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm just trying to illustrate my point of this idea that all of these fringe Biden voters are seeing free preschool and thinking he's doing a great job. It's just the, not the, true. The, At yeah. least from, from my no, no, circle. No, I, I think, I, I, from what I see. I, but going back to cigarettes in particular, it's not about drug prohibition, it's about a health problem in America that everyone in some fashion pays for. Yeah, yeah. And and then unlike most other kinds of drugs, it's offensive when you're even not a non-smoker. Sure. So, I agree. You I know, mean- now smoking smoking marijuana could be in that same way and you know a part of me says they should just legalize edibles and not the smoking thing. I, you want to get high eat it. <laughs> I think that the that, that is disingenuous i don't i don't think that 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 policy is something that sort of scales well and no it doesn't i i i i I generally think that public policy is better if it's something that is sort of ethically contiguous right i i don't i'm I'm trying to i'm trying to put my words together but basically no i i i don't think personally it doesn't bother me that other people smoke cigarettes I think that it's strange if it really bothers other people. I think that it pretty much has no effect on me, the fact that other people smoke cigarettes. It's something that they want to do with their bodies. And under under this capitalist system that we live in, I don't see why that's not a prime example of free market. It does infringe on other people's. Like you could say we pay for it through like healthcare, right? If you were to have like something like single payer healthcare, we would be paying for people's like you know, lung cancer, but we also pay for people's obesity and people's also, you know, se- right, sedentary right, right. lifestyles. But, but you can, and you, all you, of these there, things. There's, there's right. And, and there's different ways to address those as well. So just because we don't address everything doesn't mean that we can't address some things. Um, but I mean, I would, I would suggest that this is a, a prime example in which this is like personal liberty at play. Right. This no, is... I don't think it's a prime example of personal liberty. I, I think uh, heroin use is a better example of personal liberty. Cigarette smoke is offensive and kind of. secondhand smoke, whatever, whatever the science might say, but it, it doesn't affect just you. That's why I, I don't really mind. And I can go back to the day where there was the change, where all of a sudden bars and restaurants started banning cigarette smoke and what a change that it was. And you're saying it doesn't really offend you. I can remember the first time I walked into a bar that had banned smoking due to the state laws. It was in California. They were one of the first. And it was like, wow, this is incredible. It was such a shock. And maybe it's because people like myself would typically, oftentimes when we go to a bar, we would leave our coats in the car. Mm -hmm. Not because we didn't want to have the coat inside the bar. It was because it would just then reek of cigarettes the next day. Right. And smoking cigarettes inside is obviously really, really bad for the building and the pe- the buildings and the people that are inside of it. And maybe it's because I never lived in that world wherein people were smoking, people were smoking in airplanes and <laughs> inside awesome. bars and restaurants. But 
I guess my entire life, well, after they changed the state law at like eight years old, because I do remember being a thing, it, it's just never bothered me because it's just it's just people standing outside. It kind of you maybe smell it in the wind as you walk in. Yeah, no, no, I don't care. That's about it. People outside exactly. And and so then why? Okay, maybe it makes more sense to me to ban cigarettes outright than to just ban menthol cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think you should I, do I, I'm with you on that. I guess, I guess we, just do, weird. we do agree. We do agree. And uh, really, I was seem... just, I was just bringing it up to illustrate my point about what I personally see the, the like actual level of political engagement that a lot of yeah. young people are at. We were talking about where we went off was this big lie that uh, Liz Cheney refuses to uh, be a part of. And uh, that got me thinking about, well, it's the big lie that, Arizona refuses to accept as well, and that they're continuing on with this recount of 2.4 million votes or something like that, with what everyone expects that the outcome will be that Trump won Arizona. That's what they're there to do. Is to that, say that, that, is, that is what they Arizona. are there to do. And they're this very shady operation that has like no history of legitimately counting ballots. And counting ballots is, especially when you're counting two million of something, is not an easy thing to do. There, there are a lot of procedures and processes that you need to follow. And I, I guess in Arizona, they use a lot of what's it called infrared lighting, ultraviolet light on their ballots. And I guess one re- reporter that has been allowed in has said that no one is using ultraviolet lights on these ballots. And how do you count them without it's just crazy what's happening down there and what does it mean so let's say because this this firm that has been contracted by Arizona which most of the money that they're getting paid is private funds but a piece of it are taxpayer money and they've already been contacted by other states including our state of Michigan so that if maybe the outcome is what they want then they hire them here in Michigan and have them count in Michigan and what is the overall point? Just to perpetuate the lie? I mean, it has to be. Right? I mean, That's, it can't it, overturn anything, right? They, 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 it's 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 to give ammunition to this yeah. conspiracy. But I do not know why. It's why. What is the what is the benefit from these people's perspectives? Like, there's no way they're spending all this money in order to like tell their friends and family that they were right. Why are they doing this? I actually don't know. I, I do not know. Is it's there basically a, the end of my contribution to this because I have no idea. Well, is it is it is there a long game? Is there a long game that says we keep our base united? Uh, you, you know, there's the downside. It says down. it would f- further stratify their base. Co- correct, because part of what happened in Georgia, as they say, is the talking point that it's rigged, and so why vote? Right. right. So if you're if you're an Arizona voter, and all of a sudden this audit comes out and it completely reverses. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like Trump lost by 1200 votes. It was a substantial number of votes, like 300,000 or something, right? A pretty big number that they're going to have to either throw out or switch or whatever they're going to do. But if it leaves any doubt in your mind, then what are you saying about the actual process? Like then, then you really would believe that it was rigged if you believe the outcome of the audit. And so now Maybe it doesn't actually further, like, actually sort of uh, create n- more divides within their base or sort of make that bigger. Maybe we're overestimating the doubters mm-hmm. of this, uh, the doubters of the big lie on the on the Republican okay. side. And in fact, like, they would get this new information, or or at least, or even get this new information like secondhand from somebody that they, you know, a cons- a further right friend that they're talking to. And then throw their hands in the air. Oh, I guess it it was rigged. I mean, they recounted in Arizona, and they 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 found that the count was wrong, and Trump should have won. That would just totally justify more extreme action from the right, uh, especially in like their their voter suppression laws that they're trying to push everywhere. And what if we haven't thought of this outcome? They come up with the same results. <laughs> like, what if these yahoos just come up? I mean, because I, I think they're so. Uh, unqualified to do what they're doing, that they might just fudge some numbers around, change the numbers a little bit, walk away with all this taxpayer money and private funds and say, uh, yeah, he didn't lose by 
300,000 votes. He only lost by 100,000 votes. If you look at these 200,000 votes as being suspicious and they would have to be followed up on to really find out if these votes were legally cast. And then that's that. Mm-hmm. Like Because if they, they could have potentially follow-up work that they don't want to do if they make the claim that, in fact, Biden lost. Well, right? Like, is that's kind of like a bold claim. Maybe they got to count him again. <laughs> like, well, one of the things, and I, I don't know how closely you've been following the story, but they keep pushing back the timeline as to when they're, they're going to complete this. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure it's quite involved to count 2 million ballots, but they've been at this now for a couple of weeks, and they have a deadline because the stadium that they're in has an event that's occurring <laughs> on, I want to say, May 14th. Mm-hmm. And so they first promised that it would be done before whatever that date was. Now they're pushing back and saying, well, we might have to move venues because we don't know if we're going to be done by then. And I would think, okay, counting two million of anything takes some time, but we don't need – in the regular process, they get it done – in basically about a week or two weeks. Right. I mean, the projected winners already announced, you know, based on the amount of ballots counted. and But the majority of the ballots are counted in 24 to 48 hours. So why this, you know, why, why they keep pushing back the timeline? If, you, if your operation is a stadium, I think you could actually count 2 million ballots pretty fast. I mean, I it's, a, so. it's a big number, but it's, it's not that big a number. <laughs> right. I mean, you would think you would just throw people at it. Right. 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 And you would bring in all the local Trumpsters. Right. And just say, hey, put the put the Donald J. Trump's in this column and the Biden's over there in that circular file and mm-hmm. we'll announce the winner. Soon, you know? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be too hard, but uh, it's it, even though it's fun to make jokes about it, it, it is serious because it could perpetuate the lie quite it significantly. Could, and, and what if more states then say, oh, you know what? We want to do this with this group of people. You know, now there was a ruling today. Some judge has come down and said uh, what they're doing may be unconstitutional. So whatever that means. But and I know there's a couple lawsuits to, to actually try and get them to stop, put an injunction on it uh, because of the lack of oversight and transparency in their process, because there is no transparency in the process. And the only uh, media that is allowed in is Newsmax Corporation. Classic. Yes. They're funding it. Oh. The, the other thing that happened just in the news today, which I find interesting and I, I definitely wanted to ask you about, is the Facebook ban on Trump and the Oversight Board, also known as the Facebook Supreme Court, has let the indefinite ban stand, but said that it is not their responsibility to uh, determine whether or not Trump should be back allowed back onto Facebook. And so they're putting it back on Facebook. And I think anytime you have these sort of unique social media, you know, kind of arguments and and dynamics, I I think they're interesting because it's so much of it is uncharted territory uh, for society. But what I don't understand is I just thought that that's what the Supreme Court of Facebook was there to do, was to make decisions regarding suspensions and deletions of accounts. I mean, I do think this is kind of obviously a unique case in some ways. Why does it have to be unique? I mean, it shouldn't be. I would think that if they were consistent, they would just have, you know, a terms of service and that if somebody breaks that terms of service, those terms of service, then they can, or even if they don't. But they do. But they do. We right? click on them all the time. They update them and we click on the terms no, of no, service. No, what I mean is, I, I mean, Facebook can delete anybody's account from Facebook that they want to. They don't need a reason that has been um, my point all along. But they don't need so 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 they might want to be have some sort of consistent set of guidelines that determines whether or not they delete an account because otherwise it could get kind of messy about whether or not they should or shouldn't. But they don't they don't they really don't need to answer to anybody. No. And, and you know what? The They're, way the world is nowadays, unless you're forced to legally, you don't answer to people. That is the, the way that big tech big corporations and politicians work, Mm -hmm. right? There's only one standard anymore, it seems like, and that is legal standard. The oversight board said that they need to be given more clear guidelines and consistent guidelines to make their decision. And I think to myself, well, it took took the banning of the president for you to go back and, and push back on Facebook to say you need to provide those things. Like, like... 
have they ever recommended the deletion of an of an account before? Or is it now that they're just saying that it's not their responsibility because it's Trump's and they don't want to catch the heat one way or another? I think that they're doing this because they don't want to catch the heat. I, I think that they either could have pushed back for some other case. It could have been, you know, some guy in the Ukraine or something, right? It could have been some other case that set a standard for this oversight board, which is, is made up of international lawyers, human rights experts, you know, communications. I guess there's like 20 people on this thing. You know, it's a very global institution. And now they've kind of just said, well, this isn't our job. To determine whether or not Facebook deletes. That's kind of, well, I don't think it is their job. Isn't it Facebook's job? Well, I think the reason they created this board was so that you take the bias out of the management of Facebook. Which again, they don't need. They didn't need to do this. I remember when they created it. I thought, well, why do they need this at all? Just if you want to ban somebody, you just hit the delete button and they're gone. Like it's just not that big a deal, and it shouldn't be that big a deal. Facebook isn't a right for anybody. I think that the arguments there is arguments to be made that these social media platforms are sort of pseudo public utilities. Um, I think those are great discussions, but they're to have. but they're not reality right now. They're, they're certainly not. not classified that that in any legal sense. They, they, I mean, I guess this committee was probably formed in so that they could kind Facebook could kind of make it seem like they were recognizing that in themselves as being like somewhat a public utility, and that they're going to try to like public like remove some of their private power over this. But I would think just knowing Facebook, you'd think that would be like just completely artificial, right? Like I'm surprised that they really – and the fact that they threw it back to Facebook kind of shows to me that maybe it was. But right. I, 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 would have to, I would have to know more about Trump's Facebook presence me personally to say whether or not – I mean from my perspective, screw him. Yeah, delete it. But like as far as like their terms of service and what they want to have with their platform. Yeah. I, and I don't know why they did what they did. I mean I'd I have think to, it's weird. Maybe – you know, I always try and put myself in the other's shoes, right? And and look at it from that perspective. And I'm trying to think if, if, if Facebook banned someone that I really like because of something uh, controversial, maybe even something controversial that I disagree with – or maybe something controversial that I agree with. Like, like, what would my reaction be? Well, most of the time, I think that that is almost not a productive question to ask yourself in this exact instance because I think you're you're drawing equivalencies that wouldn't you you wouldn't support somebody that has done what Trump has done to get him deleted off Facebook. Where I, at least as far as I know, most of these platforms where they draw the line is direct instances of inciting of clearly inciting violence against a specific group or individual right it's not like you might be able to say x group is bad but and that's fine but you should attack x group on may 15th is not okay just thinking about his tweets and things like that it, it could be true that you could make a pretty strong argument that Trump has actually incited violence against specific oh, yeah, individuals no, and, and I think it probably that, is kind of gray just knowing the situation but, but in either case uh, but that would be they, the they case made that, that calculation making. they made that calculation right so okay, so, so let's, let's then just someone, do that calculation and ban so, what you think you know let, let's say for instance but Facebook also has this whole like thing about fake news right they've got this whole like banning accounts for for false information. Because most thing. of the time they're false accounts. Right. And so, that's that's what I'm And that's the, different too. Let me try and use an example that I just said about how what how my opinion of it, okay? I love Andy Borowitz. Mm-hmm. Cracks me up, right? I get his feed, the guy's hilarious. Let's say he made an off-color joke and that it also was directly sort of like, you know, the the remember when Kathy Griffin showed the 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 bloody head of Trump and her little joke, right? Mm-hmm. That got her in all kinds of trouble as well, right? But let's say he made a joke about Ted Cruz and it specifically pointed him out and and suggested that some harm would come to him, even though it was in the context of humor. And Facebook says, we can't tolerate that. Someone might take that literally and we're banning Borowitz from Facebook. I don't think I would have a problem with that. Like, right. like I'm just, I'm really just trying to, you know, do my own soul search here and say, okay, he broke the rules. 
they determined that what he did was worth deletion of his account. I mean, I've been in Facebook jail before for posting something that was false or something only once. I've known people that have been in Facebook jail lots of times. <laughs> What's Facebook jail? They suspend your account for like a week. Like most of their suspensions are not permanent. They suspend right. people all the time. That's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is unique on the Trump is they put an indefinite. And I don't know how many people have indefinite suspensions. So they didn't say it was a permanent suspension. They mm -hmm. said it was an indefinite. Some nuances in the rules there. So, okay, again, let's say they said, hey, Andy Borowitz, we're going to put you on indefinite suspension. I would be, I would shrug my shoulders just like I am now. Like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, that, that's that. Yeah, just like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, the streets are cold, Andy Borowitz. You messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a stat that said uh, mentions of Trump on Facebook have gone down 90%. And I do stand by, like, we don't know what's going to happen in 2024 or 2022, but I do, find, I, I do stand by kind of my position that Trump is and will become more irrelevant. Trumpism is not. Trumpism is what's driving it far more than right. him actually. In fact, he's not even a player right now, but Trumpism is is still very uh, much alive which, and uh, scary and deadly in the U.S. Which which definitely sort of drives me back to the question of who is who is next? Yeah, right. Right, and there's got to be a next. There's got to be. Well, hopefully not. Hey, uh, before we we uh, we wrap up here, I, I wanted you to continue on with the discussion that we had upstairs after dinner. And that is about the chicken sandwich wars. Well, <laughs> because this is obviously some sort of like cultural phenomena that I have not, you know, immersed myself in enough. It, it's it's not okay. It's it's just clearly an advertising gimmick. But, but still that doesn't mean it can't be cultural. It's 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 producing delicious chicken sandwiches. Okay. <laughs> so the consumer the consumer is is winning. Not with their wallets. But with their, <laughs> with their taste buds, yes. See, I was only really, you know, sort of put onto this idea, such as you, just recently when I I went through a uh, a Burger King with with somebody else, and they got themselves a spicy hand breaded chicken sandwich. Then you know, very quickly, he started talking to me about how this is this is a solid player in the in the chicken sandwich in the chicken sandwich wars, and then I found out that in fact. All if if you are a you know a chain establishment that has the technology mm -hmm. to produce a chicken sandwich, there's 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 a game to be played, and I find it funny. They have their like you know their like grunt work chicken sandwich, the the chicken sandwich that they've always had. You know it's okay, maybe okay. It might be a ch McChicken, which means it's garbage. Okay, I hate a McChicken. <laughs> Everyone's like they're a dollar. I'm like they're a dollar for a reason. <laughs> Is this, uh, is this all bought, brought about by Chick-fil-A I, I, expansion? It could be. could be. They, they might have started it. Um, like, is they going to more markets? Because they were a relatively small player oh. as a fast food chain goes, but they had this great following in terms of, or great reputation of this chicken sandwich and their chicken. So then as they expand, like they came into Michigan last year, now they're on the radar of Burger King. That, that's a nice sociological explanation for why this uh, – this conflict began. So okay, they, 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 but then you know they've got their 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 sort of their their regular chicken sandwich, and then they're like elite chicken sandwich, which costs like six dollars, and most of them seem to have the spicy as well, and they they seem to be mostly pickle. They're they're really it's just chicken, pickles, and then the spicy mayo. So the pickles are a key part of this. Okay. Yes. So I. I I just looked up here, um, best fast food chicken sandwiches. And I didn't even have to finish typing it in before Google knew exactly what I wanted, mm -hmm. right? And what I find most interesting about this list uh, by Thrillist, and I, I like their stuff, is this list was put together in February 26th of 2021. Mm -hmm. So this isn't 2019. Wait, this no. isn't 2017. This is like... Real and now, yes, <laughs> and I am completely unaware. Mm -hmm. um, well, okay, the the I feel like I'm surprised by this. Like you watch cable television sometimes, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't hear like the commercials with the chicken sandwiches. Or you're not, you're just not paying attention because it's a fast food commercial. Well, I like fast food also, but I just 
But like, I mean, you really I'm not making, their I'm ads. Not, I, yeah, I, I'm just not putting it together. Like, why are why are we seeing lots of chicken sandwich commercials? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that part I, I guess has escaped me. So they have number one on this list. If we want to start backwards in the effort of time here, the Popeyes chicken sandwich, three ninety nine, brioche bun, buttermilk battered, huge pickles. Okay. Have you had the Have you had the Popeyes? No, I cannot really begin to make claims. I personally have a addiction to the Burger King chicken sandwich, but that's only because I'm limited. I'm not. I, this is not a sponsorship. Okay, there could be better chicken sandwiches out there. Uh, I just haven't. So then had they them. go churches. Then they go Chick Fil A, Carl's Big, but we don't get those. Jack in the Box. What, what is all this? KFC. Where's week. Where's Burger King here? Oh my gosh. Well, okay, so they have Burger King at 13, but I don't think it's the one you're talking about. This is the crispy chicken sandwich. So I think since February, could the one you're talking about, the hand battered, be, mm-hmm. be new? It, because they've got ranked 13. Uh, okay. <laughs> which, is an, which, is an, which is an embarrassment, right? It's not their original chicken sandwich. No, it is not. Yeah. And it is $5.99, which the new one is, they've, they've dropped the price. I've heard good things about Wendy's, heard big claims. And the other thing on this list, these are all fried. So oh, is yeah. that also part of the thing? Must it be fried? They're fried. Now, one of the things I have learned. They've got McDonald's at eight. I've had it. It's not even that good. They've got McDonald's at eight. This this list is bogus. It's, got, got, it's got the pickles. Burger King's got the pickles. <laughs> the McDonald's is trash. It's not trash. It's, their, it's the best thing I've ever gotten from McDonald's, but it's still, <laughs> but it's still not that good. Uh, the 389 sure yeah no not 389 what do you think of the beer it's pretty good i i would put it in the mech category well i i think it needs to be cold mm-hmm. as mine has warmed up it's become a little bit more sour and yep uh, almost citrusy where the stickier where the banana and the, and the coconut, coconut is still there and the lactose is still there but i did uh, really enjoy it when we fir- cool. I, I really enjoyed it when we first started and as it is is become yeah. less right. and less desirable as we go on. So that's what we got for this week. And uh, I don't know when I'll be back. I'll try to be back in another week. And hopefully I'll get this thing edited and out ASAP. Uh, so as always, drink up, listen up, and bottoms up. <laughs> I like the I like that outro. How come I can't get it to stop? I hope we recorded. Try pausing first. Uh, try pressing that down arrow on the, uh, um, do you have any other audio applications open that could no. be? <laughs> I don't understand why it would not stop when you click the stop button. Uh, I never had this problem before. Politics, some culture and craft beer, politics. And that is why you're here, politics, I don't